everybody. Welcome to what is actually the very first episode of the Transform Recruiting Podcast. Uh, this one's coming uh, fast and furious. We literally decided to do this podcast uh, maybe a day or two ago. So I'm really excited to be able to bring on very first guest already, uh, Mr. Michael Mason. Thanks so much for jumping in the comment section and saying, hey, Brett, I definitely want to talk about this. So, hey, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I did not know this was the first episode, so I'm very honored <laughs> to be a part of this and, you know, just appreciative to have an opportunity to just give my thoughts on the uh, the world of recruiting right now and what's happening. So thank you again. Yeah, cool. Uh, you are the guinea pig, so let's do it. Uh, all right. So I want everyone to understand kind of where you're coming from. So where Absolutely. your perspective actually um, was created, I guess. So give everyone an insight into what you have been doing and how that's kind of transitioned now. And then we'll just get right into it. Awesome. So I started my career specifically in healthcare staffing. So as we like to call it in the industry, locum tenens, uh, specifically with physicians, nurse practitioners and all that stuff, uh, working with pretty much any healthcare system in the country, just finding those individuals. So had a pretty early start working with healthcare and then moved into the technology industry with uh, one of my current competitors, uh, Ronstadt Technology. So supporting the financial and technology industry. So doing a lot with IT um, and then moving forward to my current role with uh, Manpower Group where I'm fully supporting a enterprise client. Um, do you want me to say the names of them as well or no? Okay. <laughs> we'll try so, and keep that uh, ag pr uh, company agnostic, product agnostic. We'll do as best we can. Understood. So yeah, so I support a large enterprise client right now for uh, manpower and, you know, work with a lot of IT specific recruiters to essentially identify gaps in the market for, well, any IT resources, as you know, we've seen a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks, even I would say with the IT market. Yeah, so I'm curious on your perspective on that. So uh, let's keep it broad here. What do you think of the current market in general? And what kind of specific things are you seeing happening out there? Absolutely. So current market in general, you know, we've seen quite a bit of layoffs happen with the uh, big players in tech right now. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely unfortunate. You know, we are trying to assist a lot of those individuals who have been affected with the layoffs to find new roles. But outside of that, you know, I think we're not through with this yet. There's going to be a lot that's going to happen in the next couple months to, you know, next six months, I anticipate by Q2, there's going to be a lot more layoffs that have occurred. Um, we're tracking some of them right now with some of these large players, but overall, you know, the market seems like it's in for a shakeup. Um, I personally see it as a lot of these larger companies trying to essentially I don't want to say dead weight, but remove a lot of their um, non-essential employees right now just to make way for a lot of the finances that are going to be coming out in the next couple of quarters. So it, it's absolutely unfortunate. And I, I don't think we've seen the last fit um, overall. I, I think this could be a good excuse for some of these bigger players to also remove some of the, uh, again, individuals that aren't necessarily performing up to task. And uh, it's just going to make a lot more room for uh, newer employees as, you know, People say they're on a hiring freeze. That never truly means they're on a full stop. Nobody's getting hired, right? They're essentially just moving a lot of their resources to specific areas of growth and everybody else is kind of left at the wayside. So it's going to be an interesting time the next couple of months for IT specifically. I think that's been the most hard hit space for everyone. But um, overall, I, I think it's a it's an opportunity for some 
uh, that are at the company right now, you know, they'll have an easier chance to potentially move up the ranks. But for a lot of people, it's going to be a big change for them to find new homes at these companies. Um, some of them have been in their roles for, you know, five, 10 years in development specifically or product. And they've kind of been moved away as their projects haven't. Um, some people I've spoken to, you know, they mentioned their projects don't seem as important to the company right now, but they've put all their heart and soul into it. And Again, it's not great, but I think those individuals will shine bright at their new roles. But overall, it seems like there's a lot happening in the market. There's a lot of uncertainty for companies, whether they state they have uncertainty or not. But overall, I would say um, there's a lot of hesitancy hesitancy to move forward um, with business in general from a, a product standpoint, from a hiring standpoint. And overall, I think there's more to come, really. It's, a, it's open-ended yeah. because there's just so much happening. Yeah. And it's interesting in our space in recruiting, we have these, I mean, everyone's seen this kind of roller coaster thing. It ha if you've been in the world of recruiting for longer than like five or six years, you know, this happens. Uh, it's going to come back eventually, but we're at that. It still feels like we're at that turning point where it's actually really good to be a recruiter because you've got all these jobs you're still looking to fill and you've got the market flooded with talent with those skill sets. Now, I mean, like you, to your point, there are some people being laid off that aren't fantastic at doing that job. But in a market that's been starved for talent, it still presents an awesome opportunity for us. So there's two different opportunities this opens up for, I think, recruitment leaders and recruiters themselves. One, let's start filling a lot of that pipeline that we haven't had a chance to fill for a while. And, you know, we can make some things happen quickly, but we're not going to be able to solve for everyone's job search. There's going to be people that are going to have an extended period of unemployment, maybe an extended period where we're going to have to keep in touch with them because it's going to come back. There are maybe even that same company is going to hire that person back. Right. But now it's on us as people in the recruitment industry to keep up with these people. So what I'm curious about is, you know, whether you've been doing it uh, prior or you're seeing people do it now, how do you keep those relationships going? What what kind of tools are you using? How are you approaching it? What are you seeing? So, you know, that's a great question because um, I, I think the way a lot of recruiters work is building a pipeline, not over weeks or months, over years, having these candidates that they work with, with these consultants, these individuals, really, when you break it down and keeping them in a pipeline for years to come. You know, like I like to say a book of business. I don't want to try to generalize it to just work. But at the end of the day, you know, we have a list of individuals we work with, um, we've placed in the past. And I, I think it's important to just stay connected with them. Um, everyone's a little bit different. I know some people like to stay connected more often than others, but really trying to understand, you know, what is going on in their lives, how they operate, what they're looking to accomplish. And at the end of the day, just consistently connecting and making sure that they have what they need if they're in a certain role. And if they're not, you know, try to find them something that does. Um, we have a lot of tools that we use to stay connected and whether it just be things as simple as time management and uh, tasks to essentially remind you to follow up with those individuals or um, on a personal level in the past, you know, I've worked with individuals that I personally placed and just try to try to stay connected with them, see how things are going around the holiday time. But uh, going back to it, I, I think it's really important to just have conversations with those individuals and really understand again, how, their day-to-day -day is happening because, you know, people that are employed right now, again, have a lot of uncertainty with what's happening, whether they admit it or not. And it's kind of concerning to see that they're almost concerned about the role. So recruiters have 
constantly lists of roles that are opened up to them and they try to fit them to those good fits to those good spots excuse me but um well you mentioned this list thing yes the that's curious to me because when i was when i first started in recruiting i literally had manila folders that had the list of people that i was curious about and then you know i'll put this in air quotes that people can't see i had my database that was literally just an excel spreadsheet like that's all it was Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then when i got introduced to different applicant tracking systems there were good things they were bad things um but in your experience these lists like hey here are the people i need to keep up with i've done everything from calendar reminders to excel spreadsheets to whatever what are you using or what are you seeing people use so I think going, I think that's a great point. You know, with the Excel sheets, uh, I still use them to this day. I think it's yep. the easiest way to essentially just compile everything in a master list. But just to kind of create accuracy and consistency, uh, tools like Bullhorn, uh, Salesforce, a lot of these CRM systems have great ways to track their individual candidates, those people. But really, tasks have been an easy way. I found a lot of recruiters are keeping themselves on track with who they're following up with. It's as easy as you know, just setting a reminder for yourself to follow up in a certain amount of time. And uh, some interesting systems go as far as to you know highlight them red when they haven't had any communication a certain amount of time. And I, I think it's a great way just to keep consistency because. These people, everybody is getting calls from recruiters on a daily basis. Um, It's different people. And, you know, how many relationships they really keep is pretty minimal. So to try to stay on top of that from a personal level, from a professional level, it's really important to make sure that, you know, if you say you're going to do something, you actually follow through and do that. And I think a lot of people end up saying things, but they just say it, it goes to the back of their mind and there's no real way to kind of keep consistency that way. So just the tools outside of Excel, I I would really say, you know, those CRM systems, not to uh, plug anyone in particular, have a lot of great ways to keep track of all the things we need to get done, especially on a recruitment recruiters daily basis. You know, there's millions of tasks to follow up with. So it's hard to manage just on your head. Well, and on that, you say, you know, you have these task lists, these things that people need to get in you know, do day to day and they've got millions of them. There's tons that we could fill our plate forever. Work would never stop if we didn't want it to. The, do you find most of this being self-directed? Like they are kind of responsible. It's hard to say, you know, I I think in any sales role, responsibility is down to the individual person, how Mm -hmm. much they want to succeed, how much they care for their job. But I, I like to think, you know, everything comes down from leadership at a certain point just to kind of, provide tasks that need to be done. But at the end of the day, it's the individual recruiter, the individual individual account manager, that salesperson is going to be responsible for what they're trying to accomplish and what they do. Nobody is, in most cases, directing you who to call, where to call, what to do, right? We have a... Um, we have a role to fill. We're trying to identify those individual people, but you know, it's, I, I think it's all self accountability to say the least, because mm-hmm. I personally, I imagine you and most other recruiters as well kind of work to complete tasks and, uh, apologize. Give me a second here. Uh, what am right. I trying to think of here? What's the word? Urgency. Urgency is key in this business, right? People go on the market one day, go off the market the next day. And if we're not keeping ourselves accountable to ensure that we complete tasks that need to get done, we're going to lose out on that business. That candidate may go somewhere else or may just leave a bad taste in their mouth as to how we you know, operated if not done correctly. So I, I want to say it's a lot down to the individual user, to the individual person to complete those tasks. Yeah. So let's think about the people coming into these roles, these 
fresh out of college, very first job. I don't know what recruiting is. I mean, when I started, I I answered an ad because it said you get to work from home. I went, yeah, that's for me. <laughs> um, I had no idea what a recruiter did. So if we have these people coming in off the street, sitting down at their desk, and they all of a sudden have to know, all right, I'm going to have to keep up with this person. Where do I put them? What do I say? What What are these tasks? Where are these things coming from? What would make their onboarding and time to value easier? What do you think the market needs? That's a great question. I, I think it comes down to, you know, every company has a different onboarding process they follow depending on the size. It, it varies so much. And what I had, which was great, I think, coming in from a under thousand person company at first working in the staffing industry, it was a great opportunity to, you know, go through that process and see what didn't work best for me and have the ability to really provide value and change for the company going forward. As I had the opportunity to change some of the recruitment process, uh, working as a group manager to help with some training. So I, I think the biggest thing is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I apologize. It's like, uh, standard across every office, right? Uh, I, I can't remember the word. I'm blanking on it right now. I apologize. But you know, tr having the same exact training process across every office, I think is very important because, you know, management styles are different depending on the location. Every person gives a different way of training and that potentially causes some abnormalities in how we work, especially when individuals are calling the same people, you know, it's not abnormal, I would say at first, especially for new recruiters to reach out to somebody that's already quote unquote owned in the system. So mm -hmm. having a little bit of consistency goes a long way and creating standard recruitment practices, I think are really important. Role playing is huge, especially for somebody that's never worked in this industry. Uh, people don't seem to realize or, you know, just don't think about it. Talking is very important in this job. You have to have the ability to communicate properly and effectively. Yeah. <laughs> and without that, you know, there creates a lot of inconsistencies and a lot of problems going forward, especially when we're dealing with people's livelihoods. They're working for us. We're working for them. We want to create a mutual beneficial situation. And if we're not really executing on those tasks as necessary, it kind of creates some uncertainty for both sides. So standardized yeah. training modules is huge. Yep. Role plays, I think, are important. And whether people want to go through them or not, I, I think that's the best way to learn, especially if we're not able to do live role plays. Having the ability to listen to people's calls back and just provide coaching on that is also a huge um, thing I feel like a lot of companies aren't doing. And it, it really goes to hurt people in the long run because people three, four years into the industry may have the experience to recruit, but are missing out on potentially you know, key sales tactics or key recruitment processes or even going as simple as active listening. You know, people say things sometimes right. and we just might miss it. But at the end of the day, that one sentence could potentially change the way things move forward from there. So there's a lot of different things that could be changed. And I think it varies a lot uh, company to company overall. But yeah, and I like what you're saying there, because there are, in my mind, when I was onboarding recruiters, I had three different stages I kind of put them in. It was this person needs to learn what they need to do. Absolutely. And then I'm letting this person out into the world for stage two, like go kind of develop your own take on this system. And then there would be that third stage of the review. So it's like show, do, learn, repeat. So those are the three stages that I used to put people in. But the more that I kept looking at it, everyone in the do phase, they were they started off, they were incredibly inefficient. They didn't know where to put their time. They were spending time on these like hour long mini recruits with candidates they would never place ever. 
And right. while there's value to people, like you said, being able to talk and you know, carry conversations with people, like I used to joke with people, like I can talk to a brick wall, whatever. Uh, being able to carry conversations, there's value to that. But if I were, if, if I were, I'll ask this question of you, actually. Um, if I had unlimited time, unlimited resources, uh, unlimited money, what would I do? I'd probably make the the middle part of that section much more, to use your word, standardized. Right. I'd make sure that they had these guardrails, that they would have a system smart enough to show them, you know, you don't want to waste your time on this candidate and here's why. Or, oh my gosh, this person, why aren't you talking to them right this second? You know, I'd want my people to know that. Um, and when you have just these Excel spreadsheets, just this standard candidate record in an ATS, like, you don't get that. So um, I don't want to lead you down that path. But if you had unlimited time, unlimited resources, unlimited money yourself, what do you feel like needs to be solved in the industry? Training, you know, as we had just discussed specifically, um, I, I kind of have a similar idea because, you know, you're starting your career on just kind of circling back a little bit to the whole college thing. A lot of people come out of college with completely irrelevant degree specifically to recruiting. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to see how, you know, they transform their careers over the years. So one of the biggest thing is we want to have everyone start by hitting the ground running. And to get to that point, you know, there's a lot that needs to be standardized, a lot that needs to kind of evolve from their own perspective. Because as you mentioned, specifically with those candidates, they're spending an hour of their time talking to, they don't know any better at first, you know, people that come into the staffing industry are unfamiliar with roles, with titles, potentially even what these people do on a day to day basis. So a lot of it comes from that training and not specific to recruiting however account managers too coming into a new industry they're not familiar with i think it's important to have the ability to have conversations with candidates understand just their day-to-day -day, what they're doing what they should be doing their experiences to help overall expand those recruiters those account managers those salespeople's knowledge of who they will be working with in the future so unlimited time money i, I would really spend that time developing a robust training system that could be standardized, not potentially over one company, but across the industry, because there is so many different ways to do things. And I, I feel like every job I take, every company I speak with, every individual I speak with, you know, they have different experiences and knowledge and value that would really benefit new recruiters coming into the industry altogether. So just taking time to speak with industry leaders, um, people like yourself in recruitment roles across the um, just various industries too, not specifically in technology either, just overall to help understand what they do and how they do it and then help kind of create a system to kind of identify those individuals that can be fast-tracked and those potentially that may need a little bit of work, which is totally fine. It's just a matter of finding those people quickly to help um, improve their work long-term. Yeah, recruiting recruiters, one of the hardest jobs out there. <laughs> hated that. Um, that's the reason I'm I got out of that space and was like, hey, maybe I'll talk to people that are actually doing this instead, <laughs> instead of being the one that had to do it. Uh, what's this industry looking like 10 years from now? What do you see? What do you think is going to happen? That's a great question. I think the way we're moving and, you know, I look back at this in 10 years and uh, see maybe I'm completely wrong, but I, I think automation is making a big move in this industry. But at the same time, uh, you know, more and more humans are going to be needed. There are tons of roles and companies that are looking to expand and have goals they're trying to reach, certain hiring. Uh, and I guess that will change, right, in the next couple of months, short term. But long term, all these companies have goals to grow, right? 
everyone is going to need recruiters. Everyone is going to need candidates and gaps in terms of specifically technology, right, is going to grow. And I can speak a little bit to healthcare too, but really a lot of industries are going to have gaps in terms of who is actually available and who they really need. So there's a lot of shifts occurring. And I think uh, the recruitment mindset is changing a little bit, right? There's mm-hmm. obviously a need to recruit individuals, absolutely. But I think there's a scope I think there's a change in terms of how people are going to work, right? If we can't identify those individuals right away, how do we identify individuals at the companies already to potentially upskill those people to help get them to where they need to be, right? And yeah. I, I think there's a lot of disparity with that, especially with um, – there's always a conversation about how people hire individuals from other companies and give them high pay raises, right? As opposed to the individuals within their own company, they're not giving as high of a raise right away. and. I read an interesting article about it because, you know, those people that come from other companies may already have the experience necessary to do that role right off the bat. They can hit the ground running, right? And that's kind of why they are receiving this pay jump. But those people at the company who are not at that level yet or might be just getting promoted still need to build up that experience. So with recruitment, it's kind of a similar thing, right? How do we identify those people? And I think that's kind of an open-ended question, right? Because Mm -hmm. the need for candidates is never going to go away, right? If anything, how people are looking at H-1Bs, how do we bring people from other countries here to help assist with that too? Because a lot of development jobs also, I find, and you know, tell me if you're kind of seeing the same thing across the market, uh, development roles are difficult in the first place, right? As they get sure. more and more technical, it's been a lot harder to identify those individuals. And if they're already working, they have a good job or they don't want to make that change. So people in, uh, I'll, I'll give you a specific example, like progress developers, right? Working on a specific system, they're pretty much all older individuals at this point from what I've seen previously. So finding people to work on these legacy systems is going to become more and more difficult. And at least what I've seen is recruitment companies going through the process of truly finding individuals with some sort of skills to upskill them and then bring them into future roles, like an academy type situation or even go as far as to just recruit from outside of the country and help assist with that green card process. So there are a lot of different tactics that I think are going to come into play over the next couple of years, but it's really trying to identify different ways that we can source candidates because there are so many different ways, but there are a lot of different requirements from all these companies. So I don't really have an answer as to where the industry is going to go in 10 years, but you know, just the way things are going to change is going to be crazy. Um, and you yeah. know, it, it, it's uh, it's an open-ended thing for sure. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned that automation side of things, and I agree. I think there's going to be a lot more that needs to be automated. Um, there's still a lot of people taking you know their precious phone time to do administrative <laughs> tasks that they right. probably don't need to do. Um, there is that data issue, so I, I agree that it's going to be an issue to how do you actually automate all of these things when there's a million different systems that need to be integrated together. That's That, I think, will always be a problem. There's always going to be new systems. There's always going to be something new to do uh, or new to work with. You mentioned the the skill gap. That I'm going to try and talk about this one without getting on my soapbox, so <laughs> you can bring me down to earth at some point. So I completely agree with you that the... In my recruiting experience, what I've seen, and this is, we'll talk an external recruiter or even an internal, it doesn't matter. When I get a new job that I need to work on, I immediately go to the source of where I'm going to find those candidates, like a LinkedIn, or maybe I'm recruiting tech, so I'm on Dice or Monster, whatever's working. I immediately go external. I've spent years cultivating this database that I've got right now. 
it's incredibly irresponsible of me to think that there's not someone in my database right now that with a month of training couldn't do this exact job that I'm recruiting for. I think there's a huge miss on data we've already got that we need to have some way to dig into and analyze and see who do we already have that might be able to do this job. And that I think that benefits us in two ways. One, when we think about recruiting for these roles, like we have these hiring managers that call up and say, hey, I need this specific unicorn and they must be this unicorn or I'm not hiring them. Right. It's always on us to have this conversation with them that says, look, if you hire a unicorn to put in your unicorn position, they're just going to be a unicorn. Mm-hmm. If you hire a horse that you can teach to be a unicorn and then allow them to grow, they're going to go much further. And that horse might even exist in your organization already or someone that we've already got or someone we placed out on this role that we know. And that allows this I'm going to keep using the analogy that allows this horse to grow. That gives them something exciting to look forward to. It gets them more job satisfaction. It gets them to be a happier unicorn. Uh, all right. The, the analogy is dead now. Um, so no, I, I think, think you they, bring. Oh, sorry. Go for it. So, I, yeah. To wrap it all around. Yes. I think that there is this skill gap that we need to fill. But if we're trying to fill it with people that can get the most satisfaction out of it, we need to make it a growth role, not exactly something that people can do on day one because what they need to do specifically in like we'll say tech space or development space or whatever could be different tomorrow because something new is going to come out so yeah i think that's a big problem we need to solve and you brought up a good point about uh employee success growth satisfaction i I think those are all important things that potentially even 10 years ago weren't really considered as strongly as they are now um this whole situation with the uh the great resignation and everything a lot of companies have seen that employees value their time their skills and the opportunity to grow and it's not for everybody i absolutely understand that but a lot of people want the ability to grow in their career in their role and have more uh Um, opportunities in the future, right? So kind of tailoring anything that we do internally or externally to help show them that the company is valuing their skills, I I think is also important. And just going back to what you said about the whole unicorn situation to bring that up one more time, uh, I think it's also important to, you know, educate these hiring managers about what's available in the market right now, what truly the expectation should be and the timeline for that. Because if we're just yes men, At the end of the day, you know, we can say yes up front, but in the long run, it's not going to be a great situation for us if we can't provide what we said yes to. So really identifying those skill gaps in the requirements and trying to tailor it to what we've already seen as, you know, people in the recruitment industry are the experts. People are reaching out to you because you have that experience and it's all time. If we're, if we can find you somebody in 10 minutes, that doesn't mean it took 10 minutes to find them. That's years of experience that built up to that point. So coming in as that expert is absolutely important. And I think giving pushback to potentially unreasonable requests is absolutely important as well. And maybe people are hesitant to do that. So going back to just tie it to the original point about new recruiters in the industry, giving them the training necessary to give pushback in a respectable way and show like, I understand what you're saying and what you need. And here's just what I've seen and what the expectation could potentially be. So there's a lot. That <laughs> I needs love that to be people kind of come trained. to us as a specialist and then say, yeah, but I don't think you're right. Like, really? Like, why in the world did you come to me in the first place? Like, that makes no sense. Uh, all right. So I'll end it off on this question. You bring a 
a very unique position to this conversation because you are much closer to doing this job day in, day out than I think a lot of the other guests that are coming on in leadership roles are. So put on your uh, backpack of everyone else's thoughts and opinions. And uh, (laughs) with this stage right now, what do you feel like leadership out there in recruiting industry at large needs to hear and needs to focus on for the next, we'll say short term, two years? from your perspective? That's a great question. I know uh, my leadership is going to be listening to this, so I got to be uh, careful with what I'm saying too. <laughs> uh, hey, open no. forum, man. It's Absolutely. freedom of speech. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just try to think from my own perspective um, and not just from one specific role, right? In recruitment in general, that's both sides of the coin, recruitment and account management. It's important that leadership understand, you know, I, I think a few different things. Metrics, obviously, a lot of companies... You, we work for a lot of companies in general are uh, on a profit basis. They understand, you know, metrics are important, but at the end of the day, trying to understand more than just numbers. I, I think a lot of things are seen as just black and white, and that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot mm-hmm. of gray in area in between that. So with yeah. recruitment in general, you know, I, I think a lot of effort should be put into how do we train and going back to that training point, because I, I really am a big proponent of training. I personally love asking individuals everybody new, old, uh, their experiences and, you know, what potentially they do, because I see things one way, you see things differently, and we might be looking at the same exact thing. So overall, I think the biggest thing leadership should focus on is training for the new age of recruiting, because if we continue to stay the same, I don't think it's going to be a successful road for anybody. It's about adapting or dying. A lot of people are working on their own personal brands for recruitment now. And I think that's also important because the internet is still pretty early on in the world, right? As the years go by, there's going to be a lot of evolving things that happen. And we're seeing a lot of success from those individuals now that come out with a personal brand. So leadership shouldn't necessarily be afraid of those types of things and try to equip their recruiting and sales teams with the tools necessary to help get their brands out there. Because at the end of the day, those individuals will be able to do their job a lot more successfully. And I I think that'll lead back to, you know, obviously profitability for the company as well. So overall, just equipping, equipping, excuse me, their, uh, their teams with the proper tools to help build success. And that second point to my second point, just specifically data. I think data is really important, but just having the right tools to analyze that data. It's great when we see numbers on a spreadsheet, but if we can't necessarily analyze that data, it makes it a lot harder to do our job. So if we could just provide metrics to what's successful, what's not, and not just within our own line of business or our group or the company, but other companies in general, I think that would ultimately just help us not only be more successful in our own roles, but really be able to educate um, our clients a lot better as well. So yeah, just to I'm with you. Together. Collecting data for data's sake is pointless. That data, now that we have spent so many years and millions of conversations and tons and tons and tons of placements out there, uh, that data can do something for us now. I, I think it's a big untapped thing. So that's one of the the big pieces that I'd piggyback on for um, for leadership. I think Figuring out the story behind the data that you already have, 
I think it's going to be incredibly valuable. All right. Well, this has been amazing. I really appreciate the in-depth conversation. I mean, you're Absolutely. raising points that I really feel like I can go out and talk about for a half hour again. So maybe at some point we'll have to circle back to all of this, but um, love it. Really appreciate your perspective. I think the the listenership is going to appreciate it as well. Where do you want people to find you? Yeah, so appreciate the time as well. Pleasure speaking with you. I would say really uh, point you guys towards my LinkedIn. Maybe I'll start posting on there a little bit more, providing some knowledge (laughs) if possible, but happy to connect with anybody and everyone and, you know, just have a conversation about what's happening in the recruitment world and potentially shake some hands and uh, get some deals done in the process. Yeah, love it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, So I will post all of the links that you all need in the show notes uh, here or over on the website. You can find it at transformrecruiting.com. Also, if you want to email the show anything, if you want to be on it, if you have a comment question, if you want to come on and offer some kind of rebuttal, I'm totally fine with that. This is about discussing the market and what needs to change um, and how we need to evolve with it. So send me an email. Hello at bradowens.com. Again, you can find everything you need about this show at transformrecruiting.com. I appreciate you listening to the very first episode and I will hopefully see you on the next one. Sounds great. Thanks so much.